on today. Lift up your voice, church. Come on, lift up our voice. Let's praise Him today. God, we give you glory. We give you glory in this place. We give you glory in this place. Hallelujah. Church, do not stop worshiping. Come on, continue to lift up the name of the Lord. Let's worship Him today. Let's give Him glory in this place. Is this thing on? Is it on? Okay. For I would come to you, says the Spirit of the Lord, and let you know that what you are experiencing in this moment is but the beginning of a tidal wave of my presence. What you are experiencing in this moment is but the first wave and the ebb and the flow of my glory that is flowing into your city, into your heart, into your schools, into your workplaces. That if you will humble yourselves and seek my face and call upon my name and pray, I will bring a great move of my spirit, says the Lord. Even in the places of darkness where the man would say that cannot happen there, that cannot happen in Eugene, Oregon, that God cannot move in a place like that, that in the place of darkness the great light will shine and my presence will flow. The rain of my presence will fall. This is but the beginning, says the Lord. This is but the beginning of my move, a great move in this generation, a great revival, a great awakening. Like in the vision of Ezekiel that the presence of God, the river of God begins to flow from the temple and it gets deeper as it goes and it gets deeper and wider as it goes and it flows out of my house, says the Lord, and it goes into the city and it goes into the community and brings my healing. The trees grow next to the river and the leaves are for healing of the nation, says the Lord. This is but the beginning. This is the day of small beginnings. Do not despise it, but watch what I will do in your generation, in your day, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to move into the, uh, the message here in just a minute, but you know, there's a revival breaking out in our nation and it's starting in places that you know are unexpected. And my cry to God is, Lord, don't do the same thing here. Do something new in our city. Do something fresh in, in our city. But I don't want to be left behind because when God shows up and moves, everything changes. You know, we, we, we preach the gospel. We do groups. We, we do our thing in faithfulness and obedience. But ultimately what we depend on is the sovereign move of God to bring change in our nation. And we're at a place as a nation where there are two destinies and paths before us. We can just continue to go off the cliff of secular humanism and relativism and everybody confused about what's between their legs and all of the stuff that's going on. Or we can turn our hearts in repentance and recognition of the holiness of God and the goodness of God. And as a nation, we can fall back into the arms of Christ, fall down at his feet and receive his mercy and receive his help in time of need. This is what is before us. And Christians, we must not be complacent in our walk with Jesus. We must not be asleep in our, in our generation, but we must cry out in prayer and on our knees say, God, let it be in my generation. Let it be in my day. Let it be in my time. I hear the stories about my dad and how he went through the Jesus movement and thousands and thousands of young people came to Christ. Why not now? Why not now? Why not now? Hey, hey, let me talk to all the Baptists and Episcopalians and Presbyterians. Get a little bit Pentecostal with me right now. We need a move of God. We need a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. We need a move of God in our generation. We need a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit in our generation. 
Why not now? God, let it be. God, in our time, in our city, in our place, let your spirit pour out as you did in days of old. You did it in the book of Acts in the upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. You did it in England when John Wesley and George Whitfield were preaching. You did it here when Jonathan Edwards was preaching a great awakening. You're doing it in Kentucky at Asbury. You're doing it across campuses and you're doing it in Eugene and Springfield, Oregon in 2023 today. Why not now? God, we humble ourselves. We turn our hearts to you, Lord. The word in my spirit is hungry. I am hungry for the move of your spirit. I don't want fake. I want something real. Oh, God, I want a move of your spirit. Lord, I pray you would shake us out of complacency, that you would shake us out of cynicism and being jaded and just saying, oh, the world can just go to hell in a handbasket. No, we want to see a move of God, that brokenhearted people, confused people would come streaming into your house and find hope and find life and find your presence and find healing in Jesus' name. Let it be. Why not now? Why not here? God, you can do it. We open our eyes in faith and vision and say, yes, Lord, come and have your way in Jesus' name. Come on, give glory to God today. Give glory to God today. Hallelujah. Help me out today. I'm going to go get my pulpit and control myself. Would you just turn to somebody and say, you look good today? Just say, you look good. We can play that bumper video. Come on, somebody say, ouch. Ouch. I love it. Church is a weird place. We, we have the prophetic and worship and the presence of God and crying and screaming and yelling and preaching and we watch funny videos. You know, it's, it's what family's all about, amen? Man, it's so good to be together with you guys today. I just feel provoked in my spirit. Don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm happy to do it if it is in service of the glory of God and moving in our nation. I've been desperate for a move of God. I think many of us are because our nation is on, you know, a, we have a path. We can be like lemmings over the cliff or we can change. Uh, you know, whether, whoever's president, immaterial. Whoever is in power in Congress, doesn't matter. Uh, you go, Pastor Jake, you don't care about politics? No, I care very much. Uh, I care a lot about it. And I, what I know is it, it, it all pales in comparison to if God shows up in a nation and so I just know that there's an there's atmosphere of revival that when God begins to move, um, that we want to catch on to that and say, Lord, just move here. You know, do something sovereign. Um, we're believing God for 1,500 to 2,000 people at Easter Sunday at Joy Church. Uh, you know, I ask you to be praying and just asking God. I, I think we can see a tectonic shift. This past Thursday we had, I don't know, 75 pastors here from, from One Hope Eugene and Springfield and just the beautiful ministers of God that are here in our city. How many of you are grateful for all the beautiful churches that we have here? I mean, I'm partial to this church because, you know, you're the most good, the best looking, most holy and all that. But we have some incredible, beautiful churches in Eugene and Springfield and we need our brothers and sisters to win. We're on the same team. Amen. And uh, there's just, there's, a, there's a, a time here I can sense in my spirit prophetically and uh you know that that moment of decision you know even as a community where we're at and i think that the deciding factor is god's people engaging and being hungry for god and praying you know we, we we did a series a couple months ago about god is responsive and dynamic to our prayers and so when i pray you know i don't want to pray 
weak, rear-ended prayers that mean nothing and have no faith behind them. I want to pray with passion. I want to pray with purpose. I want to pray with intentionality that God would do it again. Now, I don't know how you come to church on Sunday, but we're a pastor's family, and I grew up in church, and so we have hype music. You know, just like football games, football players, they have their hype music. We do as pastors. For me, one of the hype songs that just gets me going is this song by Planet Shakers called Do It Again. Do it again, Jesus, right? And it goes, do it again, do it again, Jesus. It's kind of like butt rock, you know. Whoa, the drums. Electric guitar. Do it again, do it again, Jesus. And that's my prayer every Sunday that something crazy would break out. You know, we plan, we prepare, we get all the stuff together. We do all the faithful stuff that we're called to do as a church, but my but my secret desire, my passion is that God would show up in a massive way and just wreck everything that we put together, <laughs> you know, and just really move, do it again. That's what we, we're believing for. Amen? Yeah. You guys, last week there was a, just an absolute beautiful sermon preached by Pastor John Gallinger, and I just want to thank John. I don't know if he's here today in the room, or he might be helping in next track, but just a beautiful message. Go back and listen to that on the replay. Just incredibly faith-building about God speaking to John and, and, and the story of his faithfulness in his life and some great principles there. So, man, so grateful for the team that we have here. Pastor John came on staff in the past few months, and it's just been an incredible time with him. And uh, he's learning how to work with all these millennials and our skinny jeans and our office jokes. And, you know, Mark, Pastor Mark has been already flown with that for many years. And so John's having to jump on board, you know, uh, and get, get with all of us crazy millennials with no work ethic. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Kyle shows up, me, I'm coming in, you know, 11 a.m., Kyle's here in his sweatpants, Nikki's actually working, she's doing good, but the rest of us, we're just slackers, but we love Jesus, you know, so I'm just kidding, no, we have a hard-working staff, I'm kidding, everybody's awesome, but anyways, uh, beautiful message last week, I'd encourage you to go check that out. Uh, last night, my, my daughter Penny, she said, Dad, what are, you, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, pain, and she goes, well, that's depressing. I said, honey, do you not know your father? This is, you know, some people are like glasses half full. I'm like, I don't even own a glass. <laughs> We're going to talk about pain, suffering, and setbacks, everyone's favorite topic. Uh, Jesus said, it's not if, but when you will have trouble in this life. I think pain is one of those things in life, and you can, whatever stripes of pain are painted on your life at this moment, because we all have something going on, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, or you're just your parents, however that you know, functions in your life. It's something we got to deal with, but God can use pain uh, to do something beautiful, to bring destiny and prophetic movement in our lives. It's funny because as I've gotten older, and I know many of you have experienced this, um, now for me as a 25-year-old man, I am experiencing things. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, I, that I've never experienced. Like, for instance, you don't need a reason to get hurt. Have you experienced this as you get older? I wake up in the morning and be like, ah! Bethany and I call it making old sounds. We'll be like, don't make old sounds. And I'm like, ah, ah. You know, you, you ever wake up and you just, all you did was sleep, but you're injured. Your neck's hurt, your, your back's kinked. You know, you look kind of like you're, you know, ha, James Brown, but you're, you're just trying to go to the bathroom. And that's all that's going on. You're like, I pulled a hammy. No, you ate a piece of ham and you went to bed. That's all, that's all you did. And as you get older, you don't need a reason to get hurt. I was watching a comedy special the other day, the, this couple months ago. I think it was Nate Bargatze, which is awesome. He's hilarious. He's clean, hilarious. Maybe Jim Gaffigan. 
I'm watching and I'm laughing and after it, I'm like, oh, my neck. And Bethany's like, what happened? I'm like, I just laughed. This is, a, uh, this is why we believe in the resurrection. We need new bodies. Come on, because as you get older, you hurt, you're in pain. And, and so you don't even need a reason, you know, as you get older. And so pain becomes a, a reality, you know, in our life that we face. But if you've been alive for over a week, you know, it's not just physical pain. There's pain in life. Life, in many cases, equals pain. Um, sometimes you're looking for it, sometimes you're not, but it finds you. Uh, life brings us to these places where we get hurt. And we have a choice at that point to let God use it or we have a choice to uh, take it inside and internalize it and let that begin to poison our spirit. But pain that is used of the Lord can make you beautiful. Pain that, that is used of your flesh and that you don't give to the Lord turns into poison. Uh, Sam Chan said this, the answer isn't to try to construct a life that is pain-free. That is not going to happen in this life. Only dead people and resurrected people feel no pain. Pain is inevitable, guys, uh, we, but we have a choice. We can allow it to strengthen our character, deepen our dependence upon God, and make us humble, or we can get bitter, brittle, and broken. We can let it strengthen our character, form us into the image of Christ. We can let it deepen our dependence on God. We can let our pain, our suffering, our setbacks, our hurts, our aches and pains in all ways, shapes, and forms. We can let it humble us and recognize there is a God, I'm not him, and I actually am a finite being moving towards the destiny of death, but for the grace of God, but for the cross, but for the resurrection. Or I can take that pain, I can take that suffering, and I can get bitter and let it poison my spirit. I can get brittle in my life. You notice how bitter people are always easier to offend? It's like the more bitter you are towards one person, the easier it is to get bitter at another person. That makes us brittle, and then, and then we get broken in those ways. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Carlos Castaneda. So pain creates a choice between two paths. When Bethany and I were getting ready to have our, our daughter Evie, and we were just experiencing all of the joys of this brand new thing you're going to do to have a baby. And it's scary. They're like, you know, do you want to do these vaccinations? And, you know, do you want to do this? And all this kind of stuff. And, and Bethany was really kind of leaning into wanting to do a natural birth. And Bethany's a superhero. I would be like, I want all the drugs. <laughs> in fact, if you could just cut me in half and half of me could be in the other room while the other part does that work, that'd be great and put me back together. But she was like, no, I, I want to do this naturally. And so I'm like, all power to you, babe. And so we're talking to our midwife because we're witchcraft people. So we, <laughs> we're talking to our midwife, Augustine. She's one of the wisest, most incredible women I ever met. Uh, was not a follower of Jesus. I prayed that she would come to Christ. But she was very wise and gifted of God to, to bring life into the world and deliver just so many babies. And uh, Augustine said something just incredibly wise as I was asking her, well, what about the pain and, you know, what, what's going to happen? And she said, Jake, listen, pain is what we feel. Suffering is the story we tell ourselves about that pain. And I heard a non-Christian person speak prophetically a message that I would preach the rest of my life that I'm sharing with you because this is a deeply holy statement. Uh, God will speak through all kinds of people, right? God will use all kinds of people. And this, this wonderful woman who is gifted of God to bring life into the world, and she's had so many incredible skills and just absolutely amazing, um, 
This statement is so incredible. Pain is what we feel. Pain is the external reality. When somebody comes up and gets you, punches you, or kicks you in the leg or whatever, that is an external circumstance and you feel pain. What you then do with that is what, whether it becomes suffering or not. You know, suffering is the story. And so one of the things we work on in our life and with our kids is the narrative. We'll say, hey, don't create a narrative about this. Well, Jack did this and this is why. Jack stole the Nintendo and it's because he doesn't like me. You know, no, Jack stole the Nintendo because Jack wanted to play the Nintendo and he's being selfish and he's going to get spanking. But that's not, that's, that's a narrative, right? We're now ascribing meaning and motive and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes what we do with pain and suffering in our life is we take pain that we feel and we internalize and we create a narrative. And now we begin to, to write a story and play a tape in our head over and over and over about what it is, what it means and what it's going to do to us. Rather than let God come in and say, hey, beautiful person, let me just reach into your story and redeem that pain into purpose, into prophetic destiny, into beauty, into empathy, into compassion, into character. Because all of God's beautiful people have suffered. Starting and, and ultimately culminating in Christ Jesus himself who, who suffered. He was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Yet so filled with the joy of the Lord. That for the joy set before him endured the cross. The, 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 the suffering is always connected to the joy that comes after. The suffering, the sacrifice is always connected to the prophetic potential and destiny that comes after. Come on. And so as people of God, we need to be able to say, look, I do feel pain. It hurts me when people criticize me. It hurts when people make fun of my sweet mustache. It hurts when somebody rejects me. It hurts when somebody breaks up with me. It hurts when I get fired. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. That's real. God wants it. God invites it. Say, hey, come on, bring that to me. But we have a choice. Do I turn this into a narrative of poison and destruction and get bitter? Or do I say, God, use this pain for your glory? The reality is wise people understand that pain is actually a gift. There's a whole book called The Gift of Pain by Philip Yancey. It's beautiful. I'd encourage you to read it. But pain is this gift that we do our very best to run away from and avoid, right? I don't pursue pain. I don't seek it. I just try to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and drink some coffee. I don't want to wake up and feel like somebody attacked me in the middle of the night, you know, uh, and wake up and, and be James Brown. Ha! You know, I feel bad. I don't pursue it. I don't look for it. But what happens is it is actually a gift because pain is often the precursor to the greatest breakthroughs in our life and ministry. Biblically, every great hero experienced great pain. Moses experienced the pain of his own failure. Moses murdered an Egyptian. He, he, he was alienated. He was actually exiled. He faced his own shortcomings. He was a stutterer. He told God, I, I can't go and speak because I'm not a good speaker. And he argued with God to the point where God's like, fine, your brother's going to go and he'll be your mouthpiece. Uh, and yet God used all of those experiences and that pain to raise up a deliverer. Because a man that had needed to be delivered, a man that needed to be forgiven, a man that needed to be brought out of a people and brought into a new people and a new family and a new identity... God used his pain, he used his setbacks, his story to do something incredible in his life. David, in scripture, experienced the pain of a delayed prophetic destiny. Do you know how painful it must have been to be 17, 18, 19 years old? He gets the word of the Lord, you're the next king of Israel, and it's like, whoa, yeah, whoa, I'm the next king of Israel. And then, hey, guess what, David, 13 to 20 years of painful camping in the Judean wilderness, that's not being the king, baby. That's like, you don't even have a club card at Cabela's. Like, you're just out there in the wilderness. Delayed prophetic destiny. How many of you have words of God? 
You're going to get married. You're going to have a child. You're going you're gonna to be great in the kingdom of God. You're going to have a business. God's going to prosper you. And we're like, woo, yeah, I like that prophetic word. Mm. And then God's like, well, maybe in 40 years. You know, delayed prophetic destiny can hurt. It can be painful. It can cause you to wrestle with, do I trust God and stay close to him through this? David experienced that. He was exiled. He was running for his life, literally running for his life. He was, uh, they, Saul tried to murder him several times, but God used that pain to raise up a worthy king. Let me just tell you right now, the threshold of your pain sets the capacity of your destiny. Uh-oh. How much pain can you endure? If you can suffer for Christ, then he can work his glory into you. But if you are a lightweight, then the level of destiny doesn't really go very high. You see, what we see, I don't like this, I wish it wasn't true, but it's been true in my life and it's true all the time, is that God bruises whom he uses. There's a level of brokenness, the capacity to go through pain and suffering. There's things that I cry about, I weep about, that I don't like. I don't like that my friend John has to go through what he's gone through with the stroke. I'm glad he's alive, praise God. Kim was like, I don't know if the life insurance policy, I don't know what her prayer was, but (laughs) bad joke, bad joke. I hate the fact that my friend has to suffer, but you know what I love? The beautiful character. God bless you, John. Well done, well done. The beautiful character. So many of you, you know, we hear about what's going on in your lives, and it's sad. It hurts me when somebody's sick, when, when somebody is crying out for prayer on our prayer group, and I go, God, please answer those prayers. But you know what I love to see is the beautiful character, the beautiful character and hope, power of God at work, because it's a testimony. You are lighting up the darkness when God works in your pain and your suffering. Well done, church. Paul, one of the greatest apostles, was rejected. He, he gets called of God. You know, he, he was blinded, and then he goes to Ananias there in um, uh, Damascus, and, and many people think, oh, Paul just went and started his ministry. No, it was like 10 or 12 years, I think, that he was just sort of a nobody, uh, and then growing in his faith, and then God uses him, calls him, and he's sent with Barnabas, and uh, goes and does all these great missionary journeys. But Paul, I mean, he went through so many things. He went through rejection. He went through suffering. He got stoned, not Eugene stoned. I'm talking about biblically stoned, <laughs> people throwing rocks at you, you know, not like it's medicinal. No, these are rocks. They are, you know, whapap, you know, smacking against you. Talk about pain. He was shipwrecked. You guys hear about Jericho Labonte, that guy up there in uh, <laughs> um, Astoria that stole a boat and got shipwrecked? Look it up. Okay, anyways. Paul was actually shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. God had to heal him. And ultimately, uh, he was killed, martyred. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I think this passage is a perfect window into how we as Jesus followers should view pain, suffering, and setbacks. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. You have an option to take your pain and turn it inward or to turn it outward and let God work through it to heal other people. We'll talk more about this next week. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Okay, we need to see biblically this connection between suffering and glory. Suffering and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Suffering and the move of God. 
those that will travail, those that will bear that burden, those that will embrace the pain and the brokenness of this planet, both that's happening in our life and in our society and all of that, and yet remain connected to God, God will work through that and bring glory through it. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Paul is saying, let me just translate it in a 2023 verbiage vernacular, you can get bitter or you can get better. You can get bitter, you can get brittle, you can get broken, you can narrate that pain into suffering, or you can let God work through it to do something beautiful and make a difference in the world around you. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. In other words, you might have us down, but we are not out. You can't kill a Christian because a Christian's destiny is resurrection life. So on the very worst day, under the gun, you are also under the sun. You are also receiving everything that God has for you. This is the beautiful, uh, crazy sort of nature of a Christian. And this is how we as Jesus followers should see pain and suffering and setbacks. In verse 4, we see there's purpose in pain. We're comforted. God works through us. He heals us. He moves in us so we can comfort others. It creates empathy. One of the things is, as God allowed me to get broken as a young man in, in a lot of different ways, um, I didn't have the type of story that makes people go, well, what a painful life. I have like a beautiful family, but, I, you know, so many things. But there were, there were a lot of pain and a lot of it internal, a lot of it relational, different things. And as God allowed me to get broken as a young person, what it created in me was it started to squelch my arrogance and lift my empathy. How many of you have experienced this? Because when you suffer, you recognize other people are hurting. The world doesn't revolve around you, right? How many narcissists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. They hold the bulb and the world revolves around them. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how we're born into this world, right? Feed me, mine, wipe my butt, I pooped in my diaper, you know, deal, <laughs> deal with me. It's sort of this thing we come into the world and as God allows pain and suffering to sort of break us down and shape us, if we allow him to, he creates this beautiful thing called empathy, where we care about other people. We, don't, we actually have feelings and thoughts about other people and what their life can be. And then in verse 9, we see that God, pain causes us to depend on God. So that's my intro, okay? And I'm going to give you five ways that we are positioned or set up or uh, that God uses pain in our life. But today I'm only going to give you two, and then we'll do it next week and finish it out. The first way that we're positioned by pain that God uses us, that God uses pain, is it positions us for growth. You've probably heard it said, no pain, no gain, right? We, we know this from a fitness standpoint. I know this from theory, not practice. <laughs> but it's all about the resistance, you know? I bought this. Um, how many of you buy all kinds of exercise equipment and you have all these visions and dreams and hopes about your future body and all that? You know, nobody's fessing up. Well, I'll be the only person telling the truth in here. Because I know some of y'all have thigh masters in your garage. Don't be... Don't be lying about it, you know. You thought you were going to be like, what's that lady, Susan Summers or whatever that sold that, you know, and you're not. But praise God for you. You know, God's using that pain. Uh, I bought this thing called X3. It's like this resistance band thing, and I used it pretty solidly for a year, and I was getting some good results. But, man, you know the thing I don't like about exercise? 
it hurts. And I found that sitting in my leather chair reading a C.S. Lewis book doesn't. <laughs> sitting in my chair with a nice hot cup of coffee, come on somebody. If you're feeling like you need a little self-care, you just get yourself some of that Swiss Miss, that hot cocoa, and now you got a mocha, you know what I mean? At home, woo, swirl it in there. You're like, take that, Dutch bros, you know, and boom. And that doesn't hurt at all. But when I get in my X3 and I'm like doing the, the resistance, whatever, and my kids are laughing at me, you know, there's pain. There's pain, there's resistance, but no pain, no gain. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Resistance. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Here's what's true. We grow more from suffering and pain than we do from success. And I wish that wasn't true, but it is. But you know, the thing is, we have a different vision. I have a different vision for my life than God does. The vision that I have for my life is that I want to be happy. But the vision that God has for my life is that he wants me to be holy. This is why people will say, well, you know, God wants me to be happy. And, you, and I would say, well, um, incidentally, maybe secondarily, but actually, biblically, the purpose of life and what God is up to and at work in your life is to form you into the image of Jesus Christ. Because there is actually a greater happiness, a greater joy on the other side of character formation than you could even possibly contain or know if you didn't go through that. And this is why it saddens me when so many people abandon the process of growth. Like so many marriages, it's like, well, right when my marriage gets hard, I just get out of it. You were at the point where when you broke through that threshold, you would now get into another level of joy. But we as a society have been conditioned that, you know, anything that hurts is bad. No, I would say anything that hurts is potentially bad, but wise people see the opportunity behind the suffering and the pain. And pain causes us to grow. God wants to form us into the image of Christ. The second thing that pain does is it positions us for purpose. In 2016, Bethany and I were working somewhere, and we then got invited not to work there anymore. And so we weren't. And we had to clean out our offices in the dead of night, and my friend Justin Blotney was there helping me get my stuff out. We went into this mad rush to find a place to live. We didn't have much money. Uh, we had an old BMW 7 Series that sounds really fancy, but it was on its last legs, clearly, because one night my parents invited us to go to the old spaghetti factory in Corvallis, and we drove down Bailey Hill uh, from our house. And at the bottom of Bailey Hill, right next to Super Taco, praise the Lord for Super Taco, uh, the car decided it wasn't going to go anymore because the transmission went out. And so there we are. We have young kids, no job, very little money. And our car is now dead on the scene. And thank God for Eugene, it just started to rain at that moment. <laughs> And I'll tell you right now, a little Medford boy from Southern Oregon who grew up in 18 inches of rain was thinking, dang it, Eugene, right now, really, you know? So here we are in the pouring rain, car's broken, kids are crying, and I look over at my wife, and she's looking at me like, what do we do now, stud? You know, what now, he-man? I have no answers. I have no ideas. I, I, I have no, um, at that point, I really had kind of like no, nothing left. It was just like, well... God, could you just strike me down right now, you know? And we begin to pray, God, you brought us here. You asked us to stay. You asked us to plant a church. What's going on? 
Now, I, I don't remember exactly what happened that night, but I know we got the car down to a transmission shop. It was totaled, so we got a thousand bucks for it. And how many of you love to get a thousand dollars for your car and need to go buy another one, you know? But um, my parents brought some food over. They picked us up. We, we cried. We went, you know, up. We sat at the hill and we just prayed, God, what do you want us to do? And what we knew was the sense of purpose and mission and destiny that God wanted to take our lives and use it as a seed to bring something cool, to bring something new. And people were there ready to start Joy Church. You know, there was a couple of families in Judah and Kyle and a few of us. And Joy Church was birthed, born from that place of pain, from that real story. And what we didn't do is we didn't sit there and go, well, see, God didn't provide. He, he cursed us. We said, God, use this. We, 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 we don't want to waste an experience. Why would you ever waste a seed? Plant it and let God grow something out of it. And we chose to see that painful process as a positioning moment. If you learn to see pain and suffering and setback as a potential set up, right? Set back as a set up for what God wants to do. It changes everything. It's telling a different story internally. And you're open to the move of God and I realized this, that all births have pain. Pain is what we feel. Suffering is the story we tell ourselves about that pain. This church had pain at the beginning. This church had some moments, some suffering, some people that weren't making great money. Pastor Kyle was working through the night, scrubbing floors, right? He was working. Pastor Judah, isn't he a beautiful man with that mustache? Come on, you can see the, the anointing of God on him. He was serving at Olive Garden. These guys were busting their butt to create this church, and they didn't get paid for a really long time. And they certainly didn't get paid enough even when they get paid. So let's raise them up. Come on. There, there were some sacrifices, and that's just like the very tip of the iceberg, but people were laying their life down, giving, serving. Every, everything that we have family, everything that we have God's people, comes when somebody says, I will lay my life down and be planted into this and let God bring something out of it. All births have pain, but, it, but here's the deal. We have a choice. We have an opportunity. Can I see with eyes of faith? Can I direct my heart to praise and grab hold of what God could do and what he's up to? Because when it feels like God is not around, what that means is he's up to something. Come on. When it feels like he's abandoned you, he, he hasn't. Hold on to truth, hold on to faith, and look for what he's doing. In conclusion, in life, pain is inevitable. But we have a choice. I can allow God to bring purpose in, in and through me because of this pain, or I can get bitter, brittle, and broken. And I want to end with this, because I know that right now there are people at all different levels of the journey. Pastor Becca talked about this this morning in our tag-in. You know, you might be coming in here and everything's great. Everything's perfect. You know, you've been using that thigh master and you're feeling really good. You know, maybe you're in here and you just got the promotion. Maybe you're in here, you just got married. Everything is just boom, up and to the right. And you're like, ah, pain. Yeah, I know. Theoretically, that's a great message. Some of you barely scraped yourself off your bed to get in here today. Some of you, you felt like, what in the heck? Life is just punching me. You know, every day I'm getting, I'm a punching bag by life and it, and it sucks. But yet you're here to worship God and be with God's people. Wherever you are in that journey, let me just tell you something about God. He draws near to the humble and the brokenhearted. If you're that brokenhearted person today, the very presence of God is flowing into the broken places in you. 
And like that Japanese pottery called kintsugi, the cracked and broken places are being filled with gold. And what you are after that suffering and pain, if you give it to the Lord, is more beautiful and better than what you were before. And the life that you thought you would have is maybe gone and broken and shattered and in pieces at the floor. The marriage might be gone. The, 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 the opportunities in work might be gone. Maybe that friendship is over. I don't know what it is that has broken you. What I know is we serve a God that made all new things and he makes all things new. He's a God that was creative and created and he did that historically, but he's also creating something in and through each and every one of us. And he draws near to the humble and the brokenhearted to heal and restore. It says in Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. No, we don't pursue pain. No, we don't try to run to it. But if you are a person of faith and you know Jesus, then you know the God you serve is a God close to the brokenhearted. And he's with you. He doesn't leave you. He does not forsake you. He sticks closer than a brother. This is the God we serve. This is the God that brings destiny out of pain. I even believe that God's going to take the pain of our city, the pain of our nation, the, the things that are going on and out of this chaos, he's going to bring something better than we could ever imagine. Amen? Jesus, we open up our hearts and minds to you today. We ask you would flow in this place, move in every heart. I pray for the brokenhearted and the those in despair, and I pray for joy to flow in, peace that passes all understanding. Holy Spirit, come and bring that balm, bring that healing, bring that restoration. Come and lift up the heads, the hearts of those that are downcast, and those, Lord, that are walking uh, in a good moment in life on the mountaintop. Lord, be with them. Lord, we don't, we don't, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. But I thank you, God, that in our pain you bring purpose. Help us to not turn our pain into bitterness, but to get better and to say, God can use this to, for his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes real quick, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is a great day to have a spiritual birthday and to say, today's my day where I start the journey of following Jesus. And we're not going to take a bunch of time on this, but I don't want to rush through it either. If you're here today, and you say, Pastor Jake, I need God. I need his presence. I need to be part of his family. I need Jesus to forgive my sins and make me right with God. Would you raise your hand so I can see? Just raise it up. Do it quick. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. I'm not going to do anything. You know, we're just going to help you get some next steps. That's it. But just raise that hand up if that's you. Pastor Jake, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cross where you paid for my sin and made a way for me to be right with you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rejoice about that today.